Hi, this is Mark Iskowitz, Editor-at-Large for MMM, and welcome to the MMM Podcast for the week of September 27, 2021. COVID-19 has accelerated the adoption of health tech, and investors are taking note. But not all entrepreneurs are benefiting from the digital health funding boom. In the U.S., less than 1% of venture capital goes to Black founders, according to a 2018 study. Power and structural racism have hampered the startup ecosystem, and entrepreneurs of color seeking early-stage financing are suffering the most. This week on the podcast, Racial Equity and Digital Health. And we're going to examine that through the lens of one Google-backed startup called Allergy, a Detroit-based startup launching a smartphone EpiPen and food allergy management app. Its founder, Javier Evelyn, is here to talk about how he used patient-centered design to create his allergy medicine device, how it proposes to fill a niche in the market, and more about his experience being an entrepreneur in this particular therapeutic area. Javier, welcome to the MMN Podcast. Hey, Mark, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you, man. Absolutely. Likewise. Back to the interview in a moment, just a couple of housekeeping items. Join us live or in person the evening of October 7th. The choice is yours for the venerable MMM Awards ceremony taking place downtown at a traditional venue, Cipriani Wall Street. We have an amazing evening in store. Register for that one online at mmm-awards.com. Okay, back to the interview with Javier. Allergy makes an allergy medicine device and a behavioral app and uh, you were recently awarded a patent for your epinephrine auto-injector that attaches to a smartphone. Javier, can you tell us about the device and the app? Yes, uh, super excited to share. So, you know, it really started with my own uh, struggles as somebody that has a ton of food allergies, and I'm sure we're going to dive into that a bit more. But, you know, here at Allergy, we build tools to improve the lives of the more than 220 million people and growing uh, amount of folks that are impacted by severe food allergies and really kind of taking a multi-sided approach, right? used to call it a treatment by lifestyle, but we just kind of centered around proactive patient-driven design, and we'll break that down fully. On one end, we're building, we built the device, a redesigned epinephrine auto-injector that really has a form factor that's a little bit more feasible to carry on a day-to-day basis on the back of your phone case. Um, and when used during emergencies, it would alert the right folks so they would know where you're at, what you're allergic to, and how to save your life in real time. So a combination of improved form factor with uh, and baking in protocols that have been uh, recommended by the leading physicians in our space. That protocol, uh, that notification that's kind of tied to our current mobile application, we have two. One in the pipeline we'll discuss centered around our NSF grant and currently a, a lifestyle application that really has a lot of the key tools that folks need on a day-to-day basis. What did I eat? What can I eat? Whether it's a grocery store item or not. And allowing you to input this into a HIPAA compliant diary in about two to three taps I'm just kind of giving you a lot more peace of mind. So really it was me scratching my own itch. We found a bigger market and have been kind of going uh, nonstop ever since. Yeah. Elaborate a little bit further on how your own experience factors in the design of your products and, you know, a little bit more about how you leverage existing consumer product form factors to increase adherence. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I I personally have a ton of food allergies. So uh, uh, if you're lucky, um, you don't have all of this, but uh, casein, which is a milk protein. So I haven't ate a cheese pizza since until vegan cheese came out in the last couple of years. So thank God for that. But even with that said, there's lots of folks that can do certain types of nuts like myself. So cashews, pistachios, fin fish. So, you know, growing up, I grew up in a household that fortunately I had folks in the household and in my family that specifically worked in the healthcare space. So my mom being a nurse, I used to get reprimanded all the time. Where's your EpiPen, Javier, et cetera, et cetera. 
So that kind of stuck with me. And as I grew up, I found, I found that a lot of other folks had that same issue. Fast forward, you know, kind of had a conversation with some friends at dinner one day and said, you know, it'd be pretty cool if I could just slap an epi on the back of this and just kind of keep it moving. Right. And there was that dramatic pause where there might be something there. So I put that in my, in my metaphorical back pocket and just really started interviewing folks. Right. Uh, from, you know, I keep on doubling down the term proactive patient driven design. It really means uh, design rooted in empathy getting the innovator out of the way to ensure that you get key stakeholders involved in that. So we're talking about moms, dads, teens, young adults, uh, the doctors that are prescribing this, uh, some people that lead some of the advocacy groups as well, and really kind of took that uh, stakeholder feedback and really baked it into our existing development life cycle. So, you know, pulling from, you know, different existing tools, such as, you know, um, phone cases that maybe have um, some level of, of, of let's say, a, a battery case or maybe something like a, a wallet of sorts. We say, if you're going to walk around with something to save your phone's life, like a battery, maybe you're going to walk around with something that can save your own life. And really just kind of took that and, and tested it out. And we've been fortunate to now, to your point, uh, achieve patent status, a utility status at this point, not just in the States, but also throughout uh, key markets as well. Mm-hmm. How many users do you have? So we're a pre-FDA company at this point as it relates to our device. So we're working diligently to move past that. Um, I think that'll make, come into parts of our conversation. From a mobile app perspective, we've kind of increased uh, the amount of users to about 5,000 or so on our lifestyle app with the effort that a small startup can have in the first place. So we're really excited about our upcoming products around OIT. Um, but from an interest level, um, I would say, and it's not to be bragging about it at all, is we're just very proud of it. If you just go on Allergy or look up Allergy on social, you're going to see tons of love around what's going on as it relates to the device. And I, I think it's really because, Mark, we re- really built this with the community in mind, uh, making sure that we take, obviously, you can't take all the inputs uh, the, and, and bake it into your product, but just kind of letting that be a lens by which and filter by which you can make your final decisions, which was really helpful for us. Yeah. And just for anybody who's looking that up, that's allergy with J, by yes. the way. Yes. And uh, in addition to being a Google-backed startup, you recently received a grant from the NSF, as you mentioned, to build out your oral immunotherapy or OIT digital platform. Can you talk about the process of OIT and how allergy facilitates that therapy? Yeah. So, you know, a food allergy oral immunotherapy or OIT has been around for many years. Uh, it's uh, started off you know, way back when folks grinding up peanuts to make peanut flour or whatever you have an allergy to, right? These days, the top allergens, at least that have been uh, in the space from a farmer perspective, include uh, peanut, egg, um, and some other ones, milk as well. So when we started to see an onslaught of lots of emerging pharma companies, you know, getting seeking as well as re- getting the FDA approval, we saw that there may be a window to provide additional value. You know, my background prior to starting this company is working as a mobile app developer at a health insurance and PBM, uh, one of the largest in the Midwest, and was tagged tasked with a lot of, uh, I'll say, opportunities to work on adherence apps. So kind of blended those b- different experiences. And lastly, looked at adjacent markets or other verticals and saw, well, in this space, there's a a disease state that has an adherence problem. They built something, an adherence tool that's custom for that space. So you need to have digital tools that can help you guide you through this type of unique therapy per what I mentioned. So we've even gotten the response from some of the top docs in OIT that we have something that can move the industry forward. So really, we saw this as a way to kind of not just add another product. You don't want to just build another vitamin, but really something that, you know, can really provide value 
uh, to folks that take a treatment. So what is OIT? OIT, essentially, you're taking something uh, like one of the allergies I mentioned on a day-to-day basis, almost microdosing it up. And over the course of a couple of weeks, you're going to probably go from, you know, point, you know, three milligrams to six milligrams, et cetera, to hopefully improve the threshold. So if there's any cross-contamination at a restaurant or whatever, however that gets into your dish that you have an allergy to, there's not as a severe of a, a reaction potentially, right? That's one of the biggest things that a lot of people like myself and those 220 million people more in, in the country, in the world that is, have right now. If you eat something, there's an anxiety. So that's why a lot of us don't go out to eat like that uh, on a regular basis. So for those that are trying to kind of live a more normal life, we really believe that OIT is a great way to help to kind of lower the threshold or pardon me, improve the threshold that is as far as what folks can and cannot eat and having an application that can guide them and hold their hand with all the gotchas that are involved. There's lots of asterisk marks in this, in this space. We feel that uh, based upon what we've been discussing so far with stakeholders, we may have something pretty special. And the NSF you know, seems to think so, so far. We're really grateful for that um, partnership as well. Sure. It's a really nice sort of third-party affirmation of what you're doing. Absolutely. And um, you know, as, as I read during my preparation here, OIT regimen can take up to a year to complete uh, with regular maintenance. The patient can have less worry about triggering an anaphylaxis event. So you can really see the, the application of a digital platform there. You use proactive patient design to improve patient outcomes and reduce the cost of care in the food allergy industry. Do you have any evidence that you can share in either of those areas? You know, that's something we're building up now with the current uh, NSF grant at this point, kind of proving out some areas around that. The most, I'll say, anecdotal evidence we have at this point is just just organic feedback we're getting from the approach from our device, right? Being that it's not commercially available, there's only a certain amount of interactions you want to have and with certain groups as well to the key stakeholders that we mentioned before. And it's been ubiquitous in terms of the responses building something that kind of is there when you need it, Mark, and not when you don't, right? Um, there's a social stigma with walking around with something that makes you stand out and feel different. From our time, you know, we've gotten the chance to pitch on, you know, all campuses of, I believe, Harvard and MIT at the Food Allergy Science Initiative years ago, all the way to the Food Allergy Fund, which is backed by um, Genentech and some other huge organizations that are in this space. And, you know, the reoccurring theme is that, you know, my son would love this, my daughter would love this, young adults, heck, parents as well. I got a lot of dads saying, hey, man, I miss this all the time. One of our board members, Dr. Moskovitz out of Tennessee, says it all the time once it comes. And so, you know, I believe that, you know, as we kind of talk about the funding, uh, I'll say and just different opportunities that are available. I think there's a moment in food allergy as well as in digital health. And we feel like we have a gut feeling that we've bottled something up at the right time and feel that we can get more of that and discuss. And we're happy to come back on and chat on that in better detail as we learn more. Sure. And as a dad of a child who has a peanut allergy, I concur. This does seem to be a moment, you know, for, for food allergies. You know, there are no other digital platforms for OIT management besides allergy, despite the fact that makers of digital therapeutics are raising huge sums from investors. Many Black entrepreneurs have said that they have had trouble accessing the pool of startup capital. As an entrepreneur and a member of the Black community, was that an issue for you? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, especially at the top of the uh, last year during the pandemic, you kind of saw it, you know, just kind of highlighted a bit more. On one side, you definitely had, you know, investors that had to double down on their investments, right? You know, you don't want them to go belly up during this dry season. We were fortunate to have one of our partners, Invest Detroit Ventures, really one of the top angel and just seed investors, really seed investors in, in, in Southeast Michigan, really doubled down at a time where we had just 
the month before I had to lay off some folks. So it was uh, a combination of, hey, lay the folks off, got a PPP, win a pitch competition and get the VCs back on. That was huge for us, but a lot of companies in our space, especially doing this hard work in healthcare, um, didn't see the, end, the light at the end of the tunnel. When you think about what the problem really is all about, it's rooted in systemic exclusion. This isn't a new problem. You talked about it, you know, about $150 billion went in VC last year and 0.6%, 0.6%, right, uh, went to all the Black founders that are doing anything, not just in healthcare, but any kind of application. That's insane. Despite this, that's the crazy part. You see the impact that uh, Black and Brown founders typically have in whatever whatever, whatever uh, specific industry they're in in the first place. We just have a knack for figuring things out. It's in our DNA. So while there's tons of financial challenges, this is not new. We are working hard. You think about organizations like uh, that I support, like MedTech Color, um, some other organizations that I support, and just our fans of Onboard Health, um, Unseen Capital, and some other folks, Backstage Capital as well. All I can just name a ton of partners that have really walked the walk, and we hope we get more of those. Lastly, when I think about you know this space, you know in general, I talked about just the knack for uh, Black and Brown people to just improve any other industry. You know, quite frankly, when you think about it, whether it was sports back in the day, entertainment, and then fast forward, the last frontier mark is the healthcare industry, where a fifth of the GDP is spent. So if we're able to do it on such a dime, a small dime at this point. Imagine what we do with just a couple more pennies on top of those dimes, right, to, to really provide real impact. Sometimes this is going to be for, uh, for certain groups, uh, but these groups represent where America and the country and the world is going in the first place from a diversity standpoint. So if you bet on, you know, founders that have gotten that 0.6% moving forward and we changed and increased that number, I'm confident we'll start to see even more wins um, and, and, and even more efficiently than some other folks Lastly, I'll say doing it out of Detroit makes it even more special. The, the city's 90% Black. Um, it's not typically known for medical devices, but you know, with examples like us and some of our others in our big brother's uh, city, uh, Ann Arbor and beyond, I think we're, we're starting to make that change little by little. Mm-hmm. Sure. And it, it seems like you agree that, that power and structural racism have crippled the startup ecosystem, but specifically okay. in, in healthcare and in medical devices. Uh, what, what do you think needs to happen to improve that situation even further? Mm-hmm. I think it's rooted in accountability. I think when we just get honest, um, one of the you know simple things I do these days, I didn't have this discipline early on, Mark, but you know, you you typically when you're a startup, you think about, okay, so I'm a seed startup, look for seed VCs in this industry, and it's just that simple. There's another filter that we typically have to go through. Have they invested in any type of diverse founder, any women, um, any other uh, underrepresented groups as well? If not, if I'm gonna be that first one, I'm just kind of I can do the math as far as what this could potentially feel like in terms of process, especially in 2021. So there's no question that, you know, systemic exclusion for black and brown folks. Um, And I I point that out specifically just because when you look at the economics, a lot of that kind of, you know, reflects that, especially in our space. And, you know, that coupled with the other thing I would say is this, you know, um, not to go down a rabbit hole, but, you know, last year after George Floyd was lynched, uh, there was two camps. Uh, You either have one camp that either did special hashtags in a couple of posts, And you had others that either made the hire and sent the wire. And the latter was what we need more of, right? Because it's not just a matter of doing uh, good, but doing well when you think about the uh, economic opportunities and supporting uh, markets that you probably don't know that much about in the first place from an investor standpoint. 
Make the hire and send the wire. I like that. I got that from Tiffany Ashley Bell. I cannot take claim to it. Uh, there's a T-shirt. I'll give a. We can give that link later on to support other founders in that space for sure. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I was going to say your advice for you know other diverse founders in this area. You know, I'll say connect with other diverse founders. It's uh, especially in the healthcare space, but in general, I think there's lots of programs that help to foster uh, collaboration. Transparent uh, Collective is another one that's doing great things. Um, Goody Nation. Um, there's so many organizations I can name drop, but number one, tap in. I think we're better as a as a whole, not as an individual in this very difficult market. Uh, secondly, you know, as a, a lot of times, and this goes for any founder, Mark, a lot of times you start to have imposter syndrome when, you know, you know, you have something, things are working, you know, market is saying the right thing as well too, but that one or two individuals you meet, they don't, they are looking at something different. Maybe just you, the way you look. Um, they're going to say something that's going to throw you off a little bit, fight through that. Um, but don't, you know, let that fester alone. You really got to get that out. So I'm seeing more support groups for founders, especially as we do this from our homes at times, you're just at home during the pandemic, you think, and you see the news of folks raising funds and, you know, there's good in other sides to it, but I believe that the best times are coming. I did see an uptick in the first quarter of last year. It wasn't the site. I think it was like 1.5%. So it was a little bit better. I'll forget the aggregate number. Um, but if we continue to have wins, share those wins and be loud about them, I need to do more of that myself. I think we can start to kind of, you know, rewrite the narrative for sure. Sure. And, you know, the, you, you talk about the, the mega trend of the acceleration of health tech mm-hmm. during the pandemic year. Has that affected interest in and use of allergy? And has that raised your, your profile in front of investors? You know, I'll say the one silver lining from the pandemic, it was, you know, obviously a lot of human carnage over the last year plus at this point. Um, but we look at it from a, you know, just healthcare business perspective, we're seeing number one, a lot more interest in all things healthcare. So definitely, as you said, the funding's gone up. Uh, we're starting to see a change in the, I'll say the culture of some of the regulated or some of the agencies that will allow our devices to get a reimbursement code. Obviously, there's a long list if you're not in COVID, uh, COVID related in the first place, but totally it's definitely had a, a from that perspective, Mark, there's definitely been a, a positive impact on the look. Also, I would say with just the, the Google for Startups and some of the other ones we've had most recently that we've worked extremely hard to get from that utility patent we discussed uh, to winning a National Science Foundation, SBR phase one, totally has helped us as we put in the, you know, we can't say much about it now, but we've put in the, we're putting the final, uh, uh, let's say, icing on the cake on this round, a seed round, really something we worked hard for for a year plus. It was way harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, but I would totally say that it got it, you know, accelerated over the last couple months, obviously beyond other things we got going on. So definitely helped out and looking forward to, you know, more opportunities as we kind of get more visibility with our product. You got backing from the $5 million Google for Startups Black Founders Fund, mm-hmm. a program by which selected founders receive between $50,000 and $100,000 in capital, along with hands-on support to help their startup grow. How has this helped you? You know what? It has been, it's been huge. Uh, they've been an incredible partner, uh, Google for Startups, the Black Founders Fund, uh, by way of not just the funding, uh, which definitely helped, obviously, um, for the reasons we discussed, but the additional programming, the product support. So some of those founder programs I was talking about are supported by Google for Startups. So getting you in front of other health tech, other folks that are kind of walking the same journey. So you can kind of demystify, feel normal about certain things, share some things that you probably are just holding in. Um, on the other side, you know, as a small startup, you know, you only have so many hands and eyes and things of that nature on your team. So you know, getting incredible support and to help figure out some of the nuances of great products like Google Ads and some other things 
that can help amplify our work has been incredible. So combination of the credits obviously helped for sure. The programming has definitely been key. I didn't really see or know that that would be the biggest, uh, my favorite thing about it. Obviously, as a startup founder, you want the capital, especially non-dilutive. That's always a win. But I'm so grateful for our partnership with GFS. It's been a great partnership so far. And then part of that, if I heard correctly, includes uh, Google advertising. Yeah, we get some ad support. We get some other um, Google credits as well, too, some cloud stuff as well, too, depending on you know how you get in. And when you think about that, that's a tax that a lot of startups have to pay in the first place. So it's good to kind of get a little bit of a buffer um, and a little bit of a soft landing towards your product development, for sure. Yeah, that, that's great. Now, I read that uh, 220 million people suffer from severe food allergies worldwide and that there's been a 377% increase in private insurance claims mm-hmm. associated with food allergy. Meanwhile, as we said, funding for, for DTX is starting to take off. Uh, a recent blog post, though, I read for Health Affairs argued that uptake of these technologies is being bottlenecked, so to speak, by the lack of federal coverage policy. Any comment on reimbursement for digital therapeutics? You know, this is something we're currently exploring with some very smart folks. We have some advisors that have done this a couple of times over. And the only thing I'll say as we kind of navigate this um, this this area of the business is that things have gotten a little bit better, kind of doubling down on the silver lining quote um, from earlier around, you know, out of all the things going on that could wrong with regards to this pandemic, the the culture, the culture of these organizations that would typically have a lot more, um, it'll just be a lot more, a little bit more of an uphill battle, let's say, to kind of get certain things approved, uh, create new coverage, reimbursement, et cetera. I think uh, just the the collaborative nature of what we all had to do to kind of move this industry forward, to save our country, to save the world, right? When you think about fast-tracking vaccines and all the other uh, diagnostic tools that are needed, um, everything changed. And, I, and you say you see that not even just from what I've just mentioned, but also from you know folks from some of the top um, tech companies that were working on health initiatives coming back into the public space or different areas of, of, of our industry to help move things forward. So um, again, I, I'm kind of dancing around it to a certain extent because there's things we need to figure out and things that we've actually uh, highlighted that can really help and give us a value add. But I will say that things have gotten better just based upon the culture in general. Beyond that, I think I've always said this from day one, when you see the public funding start to go up in a certain space, that typically leads to that private funding. And then from there, you start to see uh, X industry as an emerging trending industry, right? And again, food allergies having that moment for sure. Have you had discussions with commercial partners, including biopharma companies? I'm curious as to what their reaction has been to this. You know what? Because they're going well, I can't say much just due to the CDAs, but I will say that I'm hoping to share more in a couple months. Um, I will give you this bit um, just because you asked that question respectfully. Um, I'll say that we're having way more conversations since the pandemic has started for different reasons versus before. It could be just tied, of course, to the recent patent, um, but it's definitely been uh, going a lot better. Okay, glad to hear. And finally, uh, what do you wish potential partners would know about allergy and what's next for you and for the startup? You know, this conversation has been amazing, Mark. I really appreciate the perspective and, you know, the fact that we were able to kind of go in different areas. And, you know, despite, you know, the conversation we've had around lack of funding, systemic exclusion, et cetera, we've been able to navigate so many barriers or so many uh, difficult aspects of not only building a drug delivery, smart drug delivery device company, but also that digital health aspect as well. We were always ahead of our time. And we were able to do that with under $2 million over the course of X amount of years, which is, you know, 2 million is a lot of money, but when you think about it in our space, it's peanuts. And we know that. So we're at a space now where we found a couple individuals, a couple organizations that are mission 
uh, and our values align with their product roadmap and vice versa. Uh, so with you know our recently approved patents, uh, utility patents, obviously around our device, we have some other in the same software for the OIT. We have NSF grants that are centered around that and other traction. We're in a really good position to partner moving forward. And I think that's why things are in a up. So I would say talk to the if, if there's any question about anything we're doing, talk to anyone that has a food allergy that knows about us, um, about our approach, that is. And you'll find that things will make sense as far as the direction we've been going. And we're just grateful that we were, you know, kind of a couple of steps ahead of the curve, even though we were told we should separate, do one or the other. And now we're kind of seeing this marriage of the device as your Trojan horse to provide extreme value via the software. And we're kind of, we kind of figured that out as well over the last couple of um, months since the pandemic. So long story short, Mark, we're ready more than ever and really looking forward to um, as many conversations as possible. Yeah, well, racial equity is inextricably linked, not only to economic opportunity around the world, but to helping bring these innovations like allergy forward to make healthcare better. And we're glad that you're navigating those barriers and funding and digital health to bring this innovation to people suffering from food allergy. No, thanks so much. And we definitely got to get something out soon. You know, you have kids that have this condition. We're not doing it just for myself, but for all those folks like yourself that are impacted and really appreciate the opportunity to share more about what we're building. Absolutely. That's it for this week's show. I want to thank you, Javier, again for joining us. If you like this episode, please give it a thumbs up. Better yet, subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and help others discover the show. The MMM podcast is produced by Deborah Stoll, Gordon Failer, and Bradley Weems. We're out every week. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.